Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we ask the question, do you have to write to be an authority? Hmm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so this question came up from, uh, from a listener. And, and, and the question was a little bit broader than that. It was basically like, can I grow my business um, if, if, I, if I don't write, if I'm not good at writing and I only do you know, speaking in quotes, meaning, you know, like LinkedIn lives or... I mean, broadly speaking, I it's harder. I would think it would be harder, but I do. we should separate between creating an authority style of a business versus creating just some other yeah. kind of business, right? So like if, if you run a chain of laundromats, you don't need to be out there publishing books about it or, or doing a daily email list about it, although I don't think that would hurt. Um, but you know so so of course there are plenty of businesses where the people the the owners don't publish anything they maybe buy ads or they do like local promotions or something like that or billboards or who knows there's all all different ways you could do it so of course you you don't have to write or even speak to to have a successful business that's for sure well let's talk about we're talking about expertise businesses so where okay. you're selling some kind of expertise and yeah, and I think you know. I think it's we actually um, listeners got carried away in, in the green room talking about this, and we figured <laughs> it's time to hit record, or we're gonna yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because I th I thought this was a really interesting exercise because you know it's easy to just go do authorities need to write yes you must like an absolute yes you must write you must speak I mean that's that's an easy way to approach it. But not everybody is really comfortable with writing. Mm -hmm. And so some people do really well by thinking through their, their thoughts about their field out loud, mm -hmm. i.e. speaking. And, you know, it could be like a LinkedIn Live. It could be on a podcast. Um, but, so, but the question is, like, can I do enough to grow my business, even if I don't aspire to a big authority platform if I'm not writing. What do you think, Jonathan? Well, the the thing with writing for me is where my thoughts get crystallized. So the things that I ultimately talk about, most of the more interesting things are the things that seem to land with people came out of writing first, and then they become things that I talk about. Because the, the process with writing, there's, there's almost an inherent built-in editorial process with writing that does not exist with speaking. You, mm -hmm. you don't really go back and correct. I mean, like if you were going to do, if you were going to do like the writing process that I'm familiar with people doing, it's not just me. It's like you write a draft, you edit it. And the editing process is really easy. If you were going to do the same kind of thing with a talk, it would be a huge amount of work. Huge. It would be like, like rehearsing a TED talk where you're expected to memorize word for word, you know, a 15 minute presentation. Mm -hmm. And you could do that. I mean, it, it's certainly possible to crystallize your ideas in in your room, not a script per se, because then you're writing again, right? But just like talking, going through, geez, I don't know, a 15-minute talk and then listening to it and saying, no, 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 I should have said that better. And then not, not using a pen at all or typing, going back and take two, take three, take four, take five. It just sounds impossible to me. So... I feel like maybe there are well, people out there who, yeah, I mean, maybe they exist. Well, let me just interject there because maybe it's not that they're not writing at all, but they're not writing for the public. So I think that kind of a person would jot down 
thoughts for a speech, right? They, they probably would write down bullets. But where the intimidation line maybe gets drawn is where other people are going to see the writing. And they, so it's a discomfort level that doesn't exist when they're speaking. Okay. I mean, as long as someone, as long as someone's editing their thoughts, right? Like, like really thinking That's through the key. Yeah. yeah. You, they need yeah. to be edited. Like, so like, I know I talk about basically the same thing, every podcast I go on and I still, it's rare for me to get off and be like, yeah, I said that exactly how I wanted to. It's like, it never happens. It never happens. Or you say it like, and you go, oh my God, I said it that way for the first time ever. I love that. Yes, that does happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But that's far rarer than like, like, oh, um, geez, I, I flubbed that thing or I went off on too much of a tangent. Or I was interrupting myself too much or, I mean you've got 270 episodes you can listen back to about you know we're mostly always talking about stuff that we have a lot of deep experience with and still you kind of fumble around and look for words and and you're and in a, in a performance mode so you mentioned you know like linkedin live or whatever in a performance mode you're performing so it's, it's you're sort of surfing the thoughts and you don't you just don't have a chance to be thoughtful. You kind of have to do it and keep going and, you know, the show must go on. And then at, at the end, maybe you go back and listen and take notes about how you would say it better. And maybe you do a couple of rehearsals just into a mic on your own. And I mean, you, you certainly could create that process. It just sounds so much harder to me. Well, it does sound harder to you because your natural inclination is to write. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that think differently, that like writing is not their their first language, if you will. And, you know, it's interesting because there are even cultural traditions around storytelling. Um, you know, many cultures have this, especially ones that uh, that didn't have the written word for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's something in between. And I guess maybe maybe where I come out on this, if you're thinking about it, is, um, it, you know, the traditional like try. I don't want to even say traditional. The tried and true path to authority is writing and speaking. Mm -hmm. And for most people, that's going to be the fastest, easiest way to authority. Um, but I'm going to posit and feel free to um, push back. I know you will. Um, I'm going to posit that it's, you know, it's not impossible. It's a different set of, of action. So if someone is really uncomfortable with writing and, and it's, I mean, sometimes it's just the way your brain is wired. Other times it's maybe a mindset that, oh, I'm not a writer, but really you can write enough about what it is that you're doing to build authority. So there's those two things. So I think that that you can get there if you do possibly a lot more work. Maybe you record something three times for yourself and then in each time you say it a little bit differently and that's how you get to understanding your point of view or that's how you get to explaining a thing. But I do agree with you. I, this the editing thing is the problem, and and to just go out and just like talk, hoping there's an idea in there, is not doing you or your audience any favors. Right. Yeah. So like like I definitely respect the sort of situ the, the scenario where you do need to talk something out sometimes, where 
it, like this happens to me a lot of times I, i'm having flashbacks i'm having ptsd <laughs> to like night before talk in a hotel room yes and and like <laughs> and, and you know i've pitched a talk months earlier i put slides together and, and you know just a basic outline and then the night before is when i really i really rehearse it because if i i've i found that just my personality if i do it earlier than that i end up changing everything like three times it, it's like the it, i need that last minute deadline pressure um so i've got you know i've got the slides basically and i'm and i would have this thing it happened multiple times where the talk sounded good enough that they accepted it and i had an abstract and like i'd look at the thing and like okay here's what i promised i was going to say this is what the audience is expecting and then i'd be like but i but what is my point like what am i <laughs> what am i trying to say like, i would literally mm -hmm. be saying that out loud almost angrily to myself like what why did i do this like what am i trying oh, to say everybody gets that right the night before why did yeah. i agree to do this yeah and and i had i would do this thing I'd be like if my I would imagine my dad you know who you know this is back when I was doing mobile talks very technical and my dad had an iPhone but he wasn't a technical he's not a technical guy and I would just be like if my dad asked me you know if I said oh what are you doing this weekend and he and I said oh I'm gonna go speak at a conference oh what this what's the talk about what would I say right then and that would be what it was about and I'd be like okay that's what it's about and then in my mind I would kind of be like okay if I only had two minutes to give this talk what would the talk be and if I had five minutes to give the talk what would the talk be and then if I have 45 minutes which is usually how much time I had what would the talk be and then even though the slides might not change I probably reorganize them and and figure out the flow but I point is I started with sort of like an abstract a high-level outline and I almost throw the thing out the window the night before when I'm thinking it thinking it through out loud like how is this gonna perf how's it's, it's kind of like I have a I imagine it's like doing a read through at a play I've never done such a thing but but where the writer's there and you've got the lines but then you say the lines and it's flat it doesn't flow right it's, it needs to be edited and so there's mm -hmm. kind of this back and forth thing between uh, me working it out and like organizing the slides or maybe some more specific speaker notes or whatever so I totally get that sometimes when you're not sure what the you're not sure what your point is you're not sure what where's the value for the audience like where is it that you need to talk it through even if it's just out loud to yourself yeah so that, I mean that's kind of what I was getting at is like is there a way that we can give encouragement to the people in the audience who maybe are not natural writers and and find a way to use speaking it yes it's not as efficient but boy, it sure is better than nothing. And who knows, maybe it is more efficient if that's the way your brain works. There yeah, may agreed. be some people that can, I've heard a few of them, although I always feel like they already knew what they wanted to talk about, who, you know, you just like capture them in a corner and they're on their talking points, right? Mm -hmm. You can talk to them for 15 minutes and they stay on those talking points. And so, sure. yeah, you can absolutely do that. It's just a question of working through preferably without an audience at the beginning, <laughs> what those what those points are. And maybe finding yourself a really good editor. I mean, if you could record what you're thinking mm -hmm. and it's a, I don't know, a 10-minute recording, um, you know, that could be converted to, you know, a 500 or a 1,000-word article in the hands of a talented editor. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know someone who is sort essentially – is air quotes writing a book by taking a course that that exists a video course that exists 
getting it transcribed and then having an editor go through and between the 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 slides and the you know the graphics in the slides and the the transcript of these well-rehearsed lessons uh seeing if they can create a book out of it yeah. so you know so basically zero writing yeah. i mean i i don't really think as long as you find a way to edit your thoughts and and crystallize them then i don't really see a problem with it then it just becomes at, at that point if you could do that and then deliver those thoughts very clearly less rambling than me anyway then it so, sorts of sort of turns into a like well how a marketing question like how am i going to do my content marketing like is it going to be you know mm -hmm. an audio first workflow i've had some students that do that where they they just they find a question on quora or something like that from someone in their target market and they like flip on youtube live and answer the question and then that would get turned into an audio podcast and then sort of and then he wouldn't use a transcript the guy i'm thinking of he wouldn't use a transcript but he would like he like wouldn't know what he was going to say when he flipped on the camera but then his brain would just do it and then he would take that and kind of like listen to it and then write up a written version of it and answer the question in a text format it wouldn't be exactly what he said but it would be he would kind of be just transcribing his thoughts into something more edited but the transcription is a great example because you can use AI to do that. You don't have to write it yourself or hire a mm -hmm. transcriber. Um, depending on how you speak, AI is not always perfect. I am still <laughs> Michelle, Michelle Michelle Rolton, no matter what I do with our AI. So that's, I, I won't blame the AI. It must be my enunciation of my own name. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some tools that you can use to, to make that an easier process too. There's also a framework which, I mean, I've, I've certainly had the feeling, the blinking cursor feeling, and a lot of times I find that that stems from not having a real clear picture of who you're talking to. So like if someone, if, if you're a real natural answering questions live, like Q&A, mm -hmm. the, the thing that you have there that you don't have when you're just staring at your, at your you know, blank word document is is that when you're talking to someone, you know who you're talking to. So it really helps filter down the universe of the next sentence that could come out of your mouth. Could be a, a million different things depending on who you're talking to. But when you know you're talking to a particular person, it makes it a lot easier to choose your words. So yeah. a starting Especially point, if you're an introvert. It's like you're having a conversation versus you're doing a speech in front of 500 people. Right. Totally different. Yeah, it's more interact. It's a dialogue, mm -hmm. not a monologue. Yeah, and it's more intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a something you you know anyone on my daily list would notice that is that I will often answer questions that are sent in by readers, and it's so easy, comparatively speaking, it's so much easier to answer a specific question than to like teach the concepts that I used <laughs> that I drew on to answer the question. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. It's so yeah. It, yeah, because you're responding versus creating. Yep. And I can leave out a ton of stuff. Like I don't need to write 1500 words to set the context and all this other stuff. It's like, here's this question from a person. I could just answer the question. I can limit my answer to what was asked and not necessarily all of the theory behind the answer. So I'm sort of answering it at a tactical level usually instead of kind of like writing an article about negotiation, right? They'll say like, oh, you know, somebody said, 
I, you know, I presented this thing to a client. I really thought it was going to be a great fit for them. They seemed really interested, but when they saw the price, they said, ah, we see the value in this, but we haven't got the budget right now. What should I have said? Or what should I do next? Like that's so much easier to answer than sitting down in front of a, a, a blinking cursor and saying, okay, I'm going to write an article about uh, negotiating with price buyers. I mean, woof. <laughs> woof. Right? There's just well, a million yeah. other things. Well, and there's that that mindset, that uh, intimidation factor of the blinking cursor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way I get through it every single time is I write anyway. I don't care if it's utter crap, I write yep. something. Um, but if you're not in the habit of doing that, you know, let's assume that, you know, you, you can write, but it's your, there's, it's about your mindset towards it. I don't don't know. Look at that cursor. And, uh, nope, I don't want to do that. I'd rather Mm. talk. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can work through this stuff with, by talking, but I think we're both saying, don't do that in front of an audience until it's tight enough so that you're not wasting their time. That's a great way to put it. That's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of um, of someone I worked with a number of years ago, and you know everything was on video, and it was really really challenging for me to to work that way because I couldn't just read something in five minutes. I had to listen to a twenty minute video, and there was a whole lot of stuff in the twenty minute video that. It's like completely extraneous rabbit hole stuff, and yeah. it's like. You know, so it wasn't, it just, it was very challenging. Let's put it that way. So you do not want to challenge your audience in that way, right? You want them to get a new idea, a new insight. And you don't have to speak for 40 minutes to do that. You could speak for, you know, just a few. You could do snippets. You could do audio snippets. There's so many different ways, I think, that that we can choose to do this that match our genius zone. But here's my theory, Mm -hmm. is that for those where it's really a mindset issue, once you start getting comfortable with that speaking and that translation, I bet you become a writer (laughs) (laughs) and a way better one than you thought you were. Right, right. Yeah, so... I. Like I, I think I said at the beginning, it's like I could imagine someone who's just or just is so good with their the exact opposite of me right now. Like they just know exactly what to say, what order. It's all organized in their head. Uh, they they've got their talking points down, like you said, and they can just rattle them off. That's great. But it's you know, barring barring like physical limitations, I feel like a big part of getting better at writing is just writing more you know it's like if you if you really can't write okay then then alternate there alternatives abound yeah yeah you do workarounds i'm thinking of somebody like that that i've worked with a number of times who i later found out is dyslexic Mm -hmm. um and the guy is a genius i mean you sit and talk with him and you just sit there with your your mouth open just listening to the g i mean literally it's very thought through um but no writing never ever any writing around that and i finally asked him about that and he explained it's he said i just i don't want to deal with it it takes away from doing what i really love could i figure it out yeah could i do a workaround yeah don't want to like he was such a genius in his field he just didn't need to didn't want to yeah yeah i have no doubt that exists right so yeah but i guess the point i want to make is that 
nobody's just a naturally good writer. It's if you see someone who's a good writer, it's not they didn't they weren't come out of the test tube like that. You know, they they practiced. So I I would I would yeah. I would ho- hopefully someone who feels like oh you know it's much easier for me to speak than to write it's like no kidding because every it's every easier for everyone (laughs) because (laughs) because you speak pretty much all the time and and you you don't necessarily write all the time most people don't most people speak way more than they write so it would be natural if if you're just not practiced at it then i would i would sort of like encourage people to give it a shot like if if you what does seth godin say it's like you know uh, show me the hundred bad articles before you tell me you can't write. You know, it's like you, you got to get the bad articles out. It's like drawing. I, you know, you're just not naturally good artist. You have to practice it. Writing, you have to practice it. So if you if you haven't practiced it and you think you're bad at it, it's because you haven't practiced it. <laughs> you know, again, barring physical limitations, I think that, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think writing is just so good for your thought process. If you trying to find a word besides can you know like if you if you make yourself <laughs> yeah it's like if you can make yourself then you'll get better with practice maybe like you said like like your person that you just mentioned there maybe you don't need to um you could certainly have a, a good business without writing I, it feels a little bit i don't know i'm you can hear that i'm kind of having a hard time agreeing with the notion that someone would just completely because it's not, not right it, because it's not natural to your, your the way that you do it. I mean, the, arguably the best writer we've had on the show, and I say arguably, but is was is Adam Davidson, and um, Adam writes for the New York Times. He writes for the New Yorker. He's written at least one book. I believe he's working on a second. And the last time I talked to him, I just said. Adam, like you're such a, you're writing. I mean, it's just so good. And, you know, and he's, he's trained as a, as a reporter. And he said, you know, he said, I was never a good writer. I was like, really? You're a journalist, right? <laughs> and he said, no, he said, I, my colleagues were so much better than me. And I spent years on this. And he was so taken by that compliment. That was the highest compliment someone in the professional world could give him is that he was Mm. a good writer. Mm. So, you know, even the people that we look to and go, oh, yeah, well, they're a journalist. Of course, they're naturally inclined that way. They've been trained that way. They've been working for a a world-renowned publication or three. Mm. um, And they still had to hone their craft. It's, yeah, it's writing is not an easy thing. To no, it's a, it's a practice. It's like playing guitar. Yes. Like you get rusty. Yeah. You know, you need to, there's a, there's just like, you have to practice to get decent and then you have to keep it up or it's going <laughs> to get rusty. And, you know, it's. Well, especially finding your voice. Like one of the things I, I like about your daily list is I know that's you. I know there's nobody else like behind you, like, uh, you know, my ghost Oz. Yeah, it's, you know, it's you, it's your voice. And I I know it's you. And that kind of thing gets honed when you write a lot, right? You find that voice. And it's not just your voice. It's also um, your point of view. How do you think about the people that you're serving and this area of expertise that you've mastered? And, and writing and speaking, ideally in tandem, allows you different ways to play with that. Like I might learn something 
about my own expertise by speaking that I didn't learn from writing and vice versa. Yeah, there's a there's a really powerful interplay between the two modes. Yeah, a couple, yeah. I mean, a couple of other, I guess a couple of other thoughts come to mind. And, and again, if you don't want to write, and you're not going to write, then just ignore me. But if you, if you feel like you just need practice, then I've got a couple of additional thoughts. One being that I always found writing weekly or less often was torture and that writing daily is way easier for a bunch of reasons. One being you're, the perfectionism monster is kind of calmed down when you're on a daily deadline and you're like, ah, that's pretty good. It's getting late. I'm going to send it. And if I miss something and people, you know, reply and they say, oh, what about this? Then there's tomorrow's email. You've always got tomorrow to like do a better job, do better than yesterday, do better than yesterday. It's like, it's not this big event like, oh, it's Sunday night and I really have to put out a great article and it probably needs to be like 1500 words or more. And, you know, I know you, you know, you, you're comfortable with that and have been doing it for years. But it was, <laughs> I love, I love weekly. Yeah. It was torture for me and it's, it's never torture for me now. It's way easier for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so one, you're getting more practice. Two, you can write smaller things, which is easier in a, in a mm -hmm. sense. And you're forced to write less almost. Like you, you're forced to break a big idea up into little individual chunks. And so if you've got like three big points to make, that's three emails. You got three days to do it. Um, if anything, if you screw anything up, you can sort of talk about it and correct it the next day. It's not expected to be perfect. It's more like a performance in that sense. Um, so it's more practice. You, you've less desire to be a perfectionist and you get you can get a lot more feedback on your ideas more quickly the the feedback loop is really tight you know you write it you send it people reply and in lots of individual replies where if you do like a podcast episode there'll be months probably before anybody listens to it and and there's not an easy way for them to respond uh, they have to find your email and you know send the thing and then reference a point in the in the the audio which you won't even remember at that point you know <laughs> it's been the two truth? months yeah so, so the feedback loop is you know at least in like a recorded kind of context it's it's a lot longer um i suppose if you did a youtube live or you do like a, a crowdcast you get you get live uh feedback in the moment and that's that's much more like writing but since when for me at least i'm in the middle of a performance so i can't stop and think about it when I'm getting, when it's an interactive kind of presentation, I can't stop and think I have to just first idea, answer the question uh, and move on. I can't like sit there and be like, oh, let me think about this for a while and draft up a, some notes or, yeah. or like try a couple of different things on you. And it's, it's just a, it's, it's a live performance environment or it's this recorded thing that you have a really long feedback loop on. So um, anyway, the, if, if you do feel like maybe you, you, are out of practice with the writing or have never really gotten into it. Those are just some things that I've, I've found made it easier for me. Your mileage may vary, of course. Well, and I think the other thing is that, you know, the, the question of how often to publish versus to write. Like, I think it's great to write every day if you can do it. Um, depending on your audience, you may not want to publish every day. Like, if your audience is the C-suite of Fortune 500 people, they may not read you every day, um, especially if your expertise is fairly narrow. Um, 
But that doesn't mean you can't write every day to get better. It doesn't mean you can't write things that you put in other places to attract new people, i.e. social media or a digital uh, media platform of some sort, an industry platform, um, anything like that, you know, can give you the opportunity to still get that benefit of writing every day, but also have it grow your business in, in the right way. And I'm, you know, just certain kinds of um, specialties are really harder to build an audience every day. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so that reminded me of something sort of related to this overall topic where I was talking to a copywriter, you know, so like that's his whole job. And, and he was recently redoing his website and to get himself to do it, he needed to make an appointment with his assist- assistant to sit down and work on the website, even though they were mm-hmm. bare- they would not even necessarily be talking. Um, but the assistant would be there, and he'd be you know bouncing ideas off of her, and maybe she's writing some stuff, or he's like, oh, could you you know whatever, a little research assistant kind of thing. But really, it was it was an appointment in the calendar that someone else needed to show up to, and mostly just listen and do some support activities (laughs) and I was laughing because I'm really bad at that making an appointment with myself thing you know you're good at that I'm bad at that so I just blow it off I move it I'm like I'm gonna go play with the kids in the snow or something instead and uh but if I have an appointment this is why I have to have a personal trainer at my advanced Mm -hmm. age because I can't make myself go to the gym if I don't have an appointment with someone else so yeah self-knowledge right Self-knowledge. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's your, whatever we're doing here is we're trying to apply it to our life. Right. So when I thought about, well, I did write daily for, I forget how long now it was at least a year. I think it was closer to 18 months. Um, I found it very, very stressful. Um, it's like that I couldn't relax until I knew that was done. Like (laughs) it was eating at me all day. And I didn't make an appointment with myself because it's like, it's, it's funny because I did with my book. I made a daily appointment, a two-hour chunk every day. Didn't do it with this. Maybe that would have helped. But I did not like the stress of that deadline hanging over me. Mm. Whereas I do it weekly and it's it's relaxing actually. You know, I have ideas. Once in a while I struggle for an idea, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. I usually have, you know, enough ideas and and. The, they hit me at the right time and I want to write about them. So I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I just think, you, you know, everybody has to find the rhythm that works for them and the way they work best. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's, a lot, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is it's not to an individual, it's to a big group of people. And so we're generally speaking, sort of best practices or common patterns yeah. and that sort of thing. But there's exceptions to everything. So, you know, if if writing is just not your thing and you don't want it to be, I'm sure there are ways around it that you can use. I mean, these days, for crying out loud, between whatever, Descript, Transcriptions, Rev, ChatGPT, like all of these things where you can just talk and turns it into a format that you can share as text that you didn't actually write (laughs) yeah i had a client ask um ask the question um how how would you write a course on you know fill in the blank and it came back with a syllabus with (laughs) 
<laughs> with this stuff. And then, and then he said, okay, and how, you know, incorporate my works into this, you know, using his own name. And it came back with even better with their citations. And I mean, there, <laughs> this stuff, experiment, experiment, experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prompt engineer, the career of the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, cool. So it, I'd be interested to hear back from people if, you know, if this was helpful at all, or if, you know, if you want to send an, a voice file, voice memo, or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we we take email. those. Sure. Audio. Yeah. We yeah. take it all. Follow up questions or, um, or suggestions. You could maybe play them on the show or at least answer them. But cool. That's probably, I think that's probably all I have on the subject. Yeah. I think that's good. I think we've answered the question. Cool. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.